Hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Oz Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pato. Today I'll be reviewing Unhinged, the new Russell Crowe thriller that is in cinemas. I finally got to see a film back in cinemas, which is awesome. This was my first film that I have seen since February 28th. The Invisible Man was the last film I saw in cinemas. So here we are in all the way in August and I finally got to see something on the big screen again, which was awesome. Um, so yeah, theatres are back open, which is really cool. They have their COVID-19 restrictions in place. So there's spaces between where people are sitting. They give you a card as you walk into the cinemas now and you put them on the seat so that the cleaners know exactly where to clean because they know where people have been sitting, which is a great idea because it doesn't, I guess, push the staff to, you know, when, when there aren't as many staff, it doesn't push them too hard because they know exactly where they need to focus their cleaning efforts because they know exactly where people have been sitting. So I think that's a really good idea and it just allows people to feel safe when they're back in the theatres. Uh, in the screening last night, there was about 28 people, not including myself and my partner, which was really good. And I'm glad that people are actually going out to theatres again because it would have been really hard for those businesses during that time. And I would hate to think that cinemas become a casualty of, ca- uh, of COVID-19 because... Yeah, it's my favourite thing to do during the week. I love going to the cinemas. It's just such a, yeah, it's, it's a passion of mine and it's something I really enjoy. So to be back in the theatres was just amazing. Whether or not the film really lives up to that standards of a cinematic release is another question, but it was still cool to see a film back on the big screen. You have the beautiful surround sound. You have the HD picture quality on the biggest screen. It was just really, really fun and I had a great time watching Unhinged. Whether or not it is, you know, intentional in in the fun that it provides, it was still a lot of fun to see a film on the big screen again. And by the looks of things, fans are kind of mixed on it. Um, as I record this review, it is currently sitting at a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, so square in the middle, uh, just rotten. So, yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, but, you know, it, it's Russell Crowe road raging. Um, it's exactly what you think it is based on that trailer. But, you know, it's still fun to go out and see a new cinematic release. So, without further ado, let's get stuck into Unhinged. Take it away, trailer. tap is young man sounds like this it's light it's friendly I'm sure that's what your mom meant to do no it's not mom having a kind of a hard time lately i'm sorry accept my apology just ignore him well, if you could just do the same we could press reset i don't have anything to apologize for can you go please Are you okay? I'm pretty sure the guy in that truck's following me. He's road raging. Why don't you just chill, man? Go your own way. I don't think you really know what a bad day is. But you're gonna find out. That man stole my phone. Andy? I'm sitting here. I'm waiting for you. Uh, whose phone is this? I'm right across from your friend. Hey, 
Hey, listen to me. He's not a friend, okay? He's a psycho who came after me today. This is where your first lesson begins. Give me my phone. Put him back on this goddamn phone! No, I can't do that. You're gonna learn through violence and retribution. Sounds like you're waking up. I'm wide awake. You better bring your A game. You're gonna need it. So Unhinged, it's a new Russell Crowe road rage thriller starring Derek, directed by Derek Borto, sorry, starring Russell Crowe um, and Karen Pistorius as Rachel, Gabrielle Bateman as Kyle, Austin P. McKenzie as Uncle Frank and Jimmy Simpson and follows after a confrontation with an unstable man at an intersection, a woman becomes the target of his road rage. So like I said, I probably wouldn't have gone and seen this one in the cinemas, if I'm being completely honest. It's more of a rental, maybe even just a Blu-ray purchase, you know, if you find it in a bargain bin. But it was something I wanted to check out because it was the biggest release currently in cinemas. And like I said, uh, theatres at the moment are struggling and need your support. So what's better way to do that than to go and buy, you know, a couple of frozen Cokes, get some popcorn and go and check out a new release, which is exactly what I did here with Unhinged. Um, so, yeah, like I said, the film isn't up to the, I guess, the cinematic quality of some pictures. But at the same time, I looked at this film's budget and it's sitting around $33 million estimated. So I feel like even if the film didn't um, come out during the COVID-19 pandemic, it still would have received a wide release. I think probably around 2,800 cinemas over in America um, and probably a wide release here in Australia because it does star Russell Crowe. The film's already got a Blu-ray release date for November 11th. So it is coming out on Blu-ray quite quickly as well, which is interesting. But I thought that the film itself missed the mark on what it was trying to do. I could see the building blocks there for something interesting, but I think that the film really did fall behind a bit with, I guess, the messages it's trying to get across, as well as some of the acting and some of the plot devices that are introduced during the film. It just feels like it's missing the mark on many aspects of the film. I did it like what it did try to set up. I thought that the character of the man or Tom Collins, whatever... He decides to go by. You never really find out what his name is during the film. He goes by a few aliases, but he's credited as just the man. Russell Crowe's character was quite interesting. We have an awesome sequence at the start of the film where we really get all the visual clues of what we need to know about him. You get a glimpses of it in the trailer as well where... He's sitting there, he's popping pills, so you know that he's got some sort of addiction. Um, he's got a sore neck or something because he's constantly touching his neck and he's got this heavy laboured breathing as well. So he's a man who's unwell um, and he's playing with his wedding ring. He pulls off his wedding ring, throws it behind. We see it's like four o'clock in the morning and he's sitting outside of this house and it's pouring rain and he keeps lighting this match and he finally gets out of the car and you see he's holding a hammer and he's got a, a big tank of gasoline and he just essentially blows this house up. We later find out that it is, in fact, uh, the house of his ex-wife and their new partner, as well as maybe a, a kid, because two lights turn on upstairs. I noticed that at the very beginning. 
there's a light that turns on on one end of the house and one that turns on at the other. So the left-hand side, I believe, was the parents' bedroom and the right-hand side could have been a child. Um, and the house explodes. And it was quite cinematic. It was a really good intro to the character as well because you just see that this man is obviously going through something. He's unhinged, like the title tells us. But I thought that that was a really good setup for a character. We then get like a three or four minute montage where the opening credits are rolling over news footage of other road rages that have happened. And it looks like it is real news footage. Um, And we see, you know, glimpses of the traffic in this city. I don't know what city it is. It looks like a busy American city, but I don't know what one it is. Um, And I can't find any shooting locations on IMDb. So I'm really not sure. But it was... um, an interesting juxtaposition to that opening because the opening is quite artistic and it is definitely setting up something. But then we followed this news footage and it goes on for too long too. It goes for like, yeah, like I said, four minutes maybe. And it, in a 90-minute movie, you're already bringing your movie down to about 86 minutes, six minutes of credit. So you're only sitting there at 70 minutes, you know, 70 to 80 minutes long. And it just felt like it was a bit, yeah, a bit strange. But at the same time, I like the setup. I like the performance as well. So we'll get stuck into the positives and, and a normal structured review rather than me talking about plot devices. So the first thing um, that I really enjoyed here was the performances. Whilst Russell Crowe is over the top and hemi during a lot of the, the film, the opening sequence where he first engages in conversation with Rachel, um, played by Karen Pistorius, who I thought was really good. She sells a lot of the drama in the film. Whilst her character is quite thin and some of the writing... Um, for her dialogue is quite poor as well and her decisions that she makes during the film are just awful. Um, I thought that his intro to her, like where, where he's talking to her, winds down the window, we see it in the trailer where he's like, this is a courtesy tap young man and like honks the horn. He's doing this weird thing with his voice and he is just, yeah, he, he's selling that unhinged aspect. He is just over the top and I think that Russell Crowe knows what kind of movie he's in. He's not trying to win another Oscar. He's just like, you know what, I, I'm bored at the moment. I'm not really doing a lot. I need to play roles, you know, to, to sort of regain a bit of credibility in the Hollywood sector. This isn't going to be that film, but hey, it's a paycheck, so let's go and do it. And Russell Crowe's got a net worth, I think, of like $110 million. So, like, he, he's well and truly fine financially, but he might as well just have a bit of fun. And I, I think he does do that with this film because he is insanely over the top during the entire film. Um, and I thought that he sold that. I, I had fun with his character. I laughed a fair few times. I don't know if it was intentional or not, but there are definitely certain uh, sequences with his character that I thought, man, oh man, he is going for it. He is really over the top here. And I had a lot of fun with that. I thought that was quite enjoyable. Um, the other performances in the world, uh, in the film as well are quite good. Uh, Gabrielle Bateman is great. He was in Child's Play and Lights Out as well. Um, and I thought he was really good in this film. I thought he was entertaining. He was not too um, dramatic. I thought that he did sell the drama well enough um, where he didn't really feel like, you know, that typical kid who's crying during the entire runtime. He just felt like a real person. So I really did enjoy that as well. Um, and I thought, yeah, they all did a really good job with one another and I thought they really did sell what was going on. Karen Pistorius definitely holds this film together. I think her character is quite weak, like I said, but her performance is quite strong. So her um, back and forth there with Russell Crowe is quite good. Um, but like I said, she just makes stupid decisions, which I'll get into a bit later. But yeah, I, I thought she, as a performer, was quite entertaining. The premise itself, um, I found the premise effective. I don't think it has the depth and the density to really warrant a 90-minute runtime, 90-minute with a little asterisk because that intro was quite long. 
Um, but I, I think that the general setup and the the premise idea was quite clever, and I think that it really did play well. But there was just some things in the film that just didn't work for me, and I feel that um, the the general setup, like I said, was quite entertaining. But the film can be shut down quite easily at any point in time as she just drives to the nearest police station because. Yeah, he's not going to survive a run-in with the cops after what he's done. The body count in this film I worked out to be about six, and that's not including the car pile-ups that happen on the highway, not including the multiple cars that he crashes into during the time. He runs. He has a truck that runs over a cop as well. Like, it's insane. But um, I thought that the... Yeah, the, the general premise and the plot definitely didn't warrant that runtime, but at the same time, they do the best with what they've got. But yeah, it, it definitely felt uh, very thin by the end of it, especially. Um, the film is quite dumb, but the campy and cheesy throwback tone to the 1980s and 1990s was quite enjoyable. I can definitely see influence from Steven Spielberg's Jewel, which I'm a huge fan of, which was the precursor for Spielberg before Jaws. Um, the Hitcher as well, both the original and the Sean Bean remake, more so the Sean Bean remake because I can see Russell Crowe channeling a bit of um, Sean Bean there as well. And the Australian horror film Road Games as well with Jamie Lee Curtis. And yeah, I, I can just see a bit of that being influenced here too, which is quite quite enjoyable to see those films be referenced because they're, they're among some that I do re-watch um, on a regular basis. So yeah, to see that inspiration that Derek Borte definitely has for those films and the appreciation there. It was quite enjoyable, and I feel like it's a modern version of some of those stories uh, using the road rage aspect. But the road rage, rage um, aspect feels like it's a bit, you know, a, a bit outdated at the same time. But, uh, yeah, I, I can see it sort of playing well with certain audiences, especially over in America. I guess we don't really have the traffic issues here in Australia. I mean, people in Sydney will probably disagree with me there, but... I feel like our traffic issues are nowhere near as bad as what they are over in America. I know that the roads are so much more congested and gridlock is a lot worse over there than what it is here. But, hey, people who have to take Parramatta Road would probably disagree with me. But I can definitely see um, this film playing better to those American audiences than what it does here in Australia. Um, the, and like I said, too, um, some of the sequences of the film have you know some really high production value. Like I said, the uh, budget of this film was estimated to be around $33 million, and that's before promotional costs. So the action sequences are a great deal of fun, and they definitely feel like they are higher budgeted than what most action sequences would be. Um, but I did enjoy that aspect of the film too. Like I said, the production value did feel a lot higher than what I was expecting, especially of a film with this kind of premise. But I, I did enjoy it, um, and I thought that they did a good job with some of those action sequences. Some of them are quite poor. Um, there's a couple of um, car chases. There's one in particular, which is quite tense, but it's just the way it's shot. It was kind of comedic. Um, essentially, she gets stuck in gridlock again um, under a, a overpass, and there's cars either side of her, so anyone could take down his number plate, which I still remember, so I'm sure that everyone can still remember. 711TPX. Yeah, it's quite easy to remember. Um, and yeah, he's just like ramming the back of her car and pushing her forward and forward. And I thought there's cars everywhere. Why is no one reporting this to the police? And where are the police? Like, I know it's, uh, they mentioned in a news clip at the start that the police are severely understaffed. And I think that was just to get away from the fact that, yeah, there should be a lot more cops around at the moment. And the cops definitely shouldn't have, uh, should have been called by this stage, but yeah, I think they do try and work around that with that little piece of dialogue. I did pick up on that at the very beginning. But yeah, apart from that little sequence there, I think everything else was handled quite well in the action department. 
Um, and yeah, that, that's pretty much it for the positives. So let's get into some of the negatives. So like I mentioned, the characters were very weak in this film, but one of the aspects that really did irritate me were the dumb decisions made by some of the characters. Some of the characters make some of the stupidest decisions I've seen in a modern movie for quite some time. The film would be over um, if there were a few more cameras or if everyone, if anyone at all tried to intervene. The scene that we see in the trailer with her friend Ryan, um, where uh, Russell Crowe comes into the this um, diner and he's talking to Ryan and he just like, he kills the man right there. And there's people everywhere and no one tries to intervene. The police are obviously called, but no one rocks up and he's able to walk out of this diner after killing a man. I'm like, there's about 40 people here. Why is no one doing anything? They're just all sitting around watching this happen. And I, I know it would be quite scary, but the man's obviously unarmed. I don't know if they can tell that over in, you know, being over in America, of course, but yeah, he is unarmed. He is just sitting there and he's got, he uses a spoon possibly or a knife. I'm not entirely sure, but he, he essentially, it might even be a fork. He puts it in the back of Ryan's neck and kills him, and it's quite brutal. And that, that's not a spoiler because you can see the aftermath in the trailer there of that conversation. Um, but, yeah, it was just like it was so brutal. And I thought, where the hell is this? You know, wh- wh- where is the police? Wh- where is everyone? This is insane. But apparently, you know, it's just the way that the movie plays out. So wherever this city is, I'd recommend not going there because the police suck and no one is helpful and everyone's cranky. Um but yeah, that was an aspect of the film I saw and I thought, oh my God, please just do something intelligent, do something different. Uh, Rachel, during the entire film, she tries to call the police twice and I think she gets hold of them at least once, um, but she doesn't try to drive to a cop station. Now, if I'm in that situation and I'm being you know, chased by this maniac on the road, my initial instinct would be to go to the police station. I would just rock up to the police station and go, hey, this guy is chasing me. I'm scared to death. I'm pretty pretty sure he's killed multiple people. I witnessed him kill someone at a gas station, uh, which is a scene I'll get into in a second. And yeah, can you can you please stop him from doing this stuff? And he's a wanted man because he's the one suspect here um, for burning down this house and he's on the large um, because he's killed people. So yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel that it was... Really insane. Um, I, I was quite shocked with some of those decisions that are made during the film. Now, the gas station sequence. So, time seems to be a very strange oddity in this film. So, we know that they're leaving at about 9 o'clock in the morning, maybe 10 past 9. So, they're trying to get to... Um, oh, it's actually earlier than that because her first appointment is at 9 o'clock because she gets a call from her friend called Deborah. And Deborah says, fires her on the phone and says, oh, I'm sick of you being late, you're fired. Um, and they're stuck in gridlock once again. She's woken up late. She's got a son in the car. We get a bit of backstory there with her um, her ex, um, her ex-husband, who uh, they're going through a messy separation, and she wants to get to this appointment and also take her kid to school. Her kid's very frustrated because if he gets another tardiness on his record, three tardiness, and you're, you know, you're in detention. That's what's set up at the start. That's the stakes at the start of the film for... Um, her reckless driving and getting the kid to school. This is where she commits the act of road rage, honks uh, Russell Crowe, Russell Crowe snaps and, you know, follows her around. But uh, we see on the phone, I think it's six past ten, so she's dropped the kid to school. She's also on empty on a gas tank, so uh, I would recommend buying a 1980s Volvo because apparently they can run all day with that tank of gas. 
It's not until the little light comes on, which it takes ages to come on, um, that she decides to go to a gas station. And when she rocks up at the gas station, she sees a Russell Crowe's behind her and she's like, oh, I think this man's stalking me. And then the lady's like, oh, he's road raging against you. And it was quite funny. I laughed at that moment. Um, And there's a really nice guy in the thing and he's like, I'll walk you out to your car. I'll get his number plates. I'll come back in and we'll call the cops. And I was like, Perfect plan. Call the cops. Get this guy away. You know, that's that's perfect. Well done. He walks out, walks her to a car, gets the number plate, tells her the number plate and just says, just so you remember, it's yeah, the 711 TPX. And she's like, okay, got it. And then he walks up to the car and he just goes, keep driving, buddy. Just let it go. Let it go. He just runs this guy over, this really nice man, and like runs this guy. He sort of gets, you know, thrown onto the road and this car just comes along and cleans him up. I'm like, oh my God, this is brutal. What is the message here? You know, not to road rage because some maniac like Russell Crowe is going to kill everyone. I don't know, but that was just like, oh my God. And the way that she honks on the horn, yes, she probably should have given a courtesy tap there, but at the same time, I mean, she honked the guy once, he didn't move. She honked him twice, he didn't move. And then she held down a horn the third time. And I was like, to be fair... She's running late. I completely understand where she's coming from. And this guy is just, you know, a maniac. And she probably should have just settled it and just said, you know, when he pulls up beside her and gives the exchange about the courtesy tap and stuff, she's probably should have just said, I'm sorry, just in a real rush, didn't mean to do that. And maybe he would have let go, but I don't know. It was just insane. I was like, oh, my God. And he doesn't fill up his car once during that film, and he follows her around for quite some time with some reckless driving. He's obviously been driving all night as well after he burnt down the house and killed his ex-wife and their partner and possibly his daughter. Yeah, it's insane. It's utterly insane. But I found it quite enjoyable at the same time because a lot of the hemminess and the schlockiness was quite enjoyable. Um I feel a bit uncomfortable during the film as well, seeing Russell Crowe punch Rachel multiple times during the film in the face. There's meant to be a bit of a message here, I think, about domestic violence and violence against women, but it just doesn't work. It just comes off quite stupid and quite um, brutal to watch. To see Russell Crowe just constantly punching this woman in the face, I was like, oh my God, this is awful. Can we please stop? This is yeah, really uncomfortable to watch. And normally things like that don't worry me too much in a film because it, it is a, you know a work of fiction. Of course, there's certain things that make me look away from the screen and I definitely don't agree with that at all. And that's not what I'm, I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when you see that sort of thing in a film, if it works into the narrative and there's something stronger thematically going on, it definitely works for me. But here it just didn't feel like it was working at all. It just felt like it was just over the top, constant punching in the face. I was like, oh, can we please stop? This is really uncomfortable. Um, and it happens multiple times in the third act in particular. And I was like, this is really brutal. It happens about five times that he, he hurts this woman. And there's certain scenes where he, he kills one of the um, uncle. I, I called him Uncle Tommy at the start, but I can't remember if his name was Uncle Tommy or Uncle Frank. Um, but yeah, he kills um, Mary, the fiance. And I was like, oh my God, that's brutal as well. That was something I didn't want to say. Uncle Freddy, sorry. It's Uncle Freddy. Um, and he makes it look like it's Uncle Freddy's fault because Uncle Freddy's holding a knife, you know, saying, get away from my my fiancé, and then, like, he pushes her into him multiple times. Like, And I was like, oh, this is awful. This is really hard to watch. Um, and thematically, it just doesn't have anything deeper going on, I don't think, and if there was something deeper going on, it didn't work because I didn't pick up on it. Um, the pacing at the beginning of the film as well, I found the scenes in the car between Rachel and her son Kyle poorly directed, it just felt very flat and there was no gravitas really behind it. It was just, you know, really mundane conversations, setting up um, character motives and characterization by, you know, really, yeah, like I said, mundane dialogue. Um, 
exposition as well like oh you're getting a divorce mum you have to get to this meeting because if you don't get to this meeting you're going to be fired and things like that I was like ah please stop this is you know this is too much this is too much um and those sequences go on for a bit too long especially with a film with such a short runtime you have you know like a you yeah not not too much time to really play around with but they spend at least 10 to 15 minutes with Kyle and Rachel talking and I thought yeah move it along move it along this is going on for too long um, I didn't mean to rhyme them, but hey, it, it worked. Um, the dialogue as well is awful. Some of the dialogue sequences are just, like I said, mundane, boring, and yeah, quite cringeworthy at, at times. Uh, there's a couple of sequences that are just bogged down with, you know, that cringe-inducing dialogue. There's some, you know, morale things that are set up with Russell Crowe's character where he's like, I'm going to carry out this um, vengeance and everything because this is all I have left and things like that. I was like, oh, please stop talking. Just just do it. Just don't talk about it. Just do it because I can't hear you talk this terrible dialogue anymore. Um, but I think the campy tone does allow for it to be a bit more fun because myself and my partner, my partner who is not a fan at all of horror films or thrillers, she gets quite scared watching these types of movies, but she found herself laughing quite a lot during the film. So... I think under that influence and that aspect, you can definitely have a lot of fun with this film. But yeah, Unhinged, was it was interesting. It was good to be back in a cinema and seeing a film of this calibre, I suppose, on the big screen. By calibre, I just mean with a bigger budget, um, starring someone like Russell Crowe as well. But I did find it quite enjoyable. Even though it doesn't really hit the mark all the time, it was still a bit of fun. So my verdict, Unhinged is an, is anchored by a couple of strong performances from Karen Pistorius and Gail Bateman and a suitably hemmy performance from Russell Crowe. But the mixed messages, cringeworthy dialogue and stupid character decisions make this one fall apart in multiple moments for me. I still recommend getting to a cinema and seeing this one on the big screen, but it's not the best release I have seen. But man, it's good to be back in a cinema, I tell you what. I'm giving Unhinged a 4.5 or more of a 5. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. I think that it's a bit of fun to have. And if you watch it under the right circumstances, knowing exactly what you're getting into, I think you're going to have a bit of fun with this one. But guys, yeah, cinemas are back open. So go and check this one out if you can. Go and check out Blackwater Abyss. Go and check out The Vigil. King of Staten Island, there's some older releases playing too. Inception's getting its 10-year anniversary release soon too, which is really exciting. Tenet has an August 26th release date at this stage. A Quiet Place Part 2 is coming out in August. We have some really exciting things coming out. So look forward to more reviews coming soon. I'll have a review of The Vigil and Blackwater Abyss coming to you next week. And I'm probably going to work on some older film reviews as well, depending on what I'm able to see in cinemas. But yeah, guys, look forward to more stuff coming at you because there will be a bit here and there, and I'm very excited to do so. So thank you all for listening. And until next time, peace out. Thank you.